Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, We've gone from equality to equity by the slip of a tongue in just a few days. Equality. Equality before the law. That's justice. We support justice. Equity Equity is a different, in the end, meaning. Equity means same. Not sameness before the law, but sameness, period. You know, the one word you'll never hear Joe Biden speak, or his apparatchik speak, whether they're surrogates in the media or otherwise, is the word that matters most. Freedom. Freedom. You can have equality, or I guess the word is equity, in slavery. You can have equity in poverty in most countries. Equity without freedom is slavery. Freedom is the key. Now, if you have freedom, and we're treated as individual human beings, then you're not going to have equity. Because everybody's motivated by different things. Some people work harder than others. Some people are luckier than others. And you can go on and on and on. That's the nature of freedom and a free society. Everybody can't be rich. On the other hand, everybody's not poor. There is mobility. You know, this caste system or class structure that Marx talks about, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, And liberals in this country talk about this class and that class. There are no classes. Because in America, 
you're free to pursue whatever you want. We've had big battles in this country over equality. The abolitionist movement, the Civil War, we had to fight segregation in the Democrat Party. We have the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, multiple acts since then. We had Civil Rights Act of 1957, of 1960, Civil Rights Act of 1868. We've had Supreme Court decision after Supreme Court decision, all aimed at smiting inequality, unjust inequality under the law. All quite necessary. But when Joe Biden talks about equity, they never explain what they mean exactly. But I know what they mean, because Bernie Sanders tells us what they mean. He's a quote-unquote democratic socialist. That is, he's a neo-Marxist. Always has been and always will be. He's an old red from Brooklyn, New York. Found his way to Vermont. Got elected mayor, Burlington. Got elected to the House and then got elected to the Senate. Vermont's a beautiful state. It's got about 12 people, and it's got about 14 minorities. Now, all that said, we don't seek human equity in this country. We seek equality under the law. That's exactly what the framers meant, and that's what all these battles, whether they've been wars like the Civil War or civil rights battles, are all about. Not equity. Not democratic socialism, not neo-Marxism, and yet that language has been slipped in. And the reason it's been slipped in is because of the incredible influence, sadly, that Marx has in virtually every society. Despite the fact that it's an ideology of impoverishment, it's an ideology of enslavement, it's an ideology of genocide. That's the history of Marxism. But Marxism creates excuses. It creates excuses. It treats people as groups. Now, I'll tell you something interesting if you want to put on your thinking cap just for a little bit. The whole identity politics movement, that is race, sex, orientation, and all the rest of it. The pure Marxists are very upset about identity politics. Do you want to know why, Mr. Producer? Because they believe it takes away from the core argument of Marx, which is everything relates to materialism, not religion, not race, and so forth and so on. In many ways, Marx was a racist, by the way. But that aside. And by the way, all these communists seem to be racist. Look how Castro was wiping out Cubans who happen to be more black than other Cubans. Look how China now is wiping out Muslims. And so forth. But here's my bigger point. Marxism, the purists, reject identity politics. Because they believe it undermines the core arguments of Marxism. Which isn't about race and religion. Because you're supposed to eliminate religion. Eliminate the nuclear family. That's what he says. Anybody cares to read it. And eliminate these kinds of distinctions. What you, what you really want to destroy is the whole notion of individuality. 
everybody has to be reliant on the state. And that way we can all truly fulfill ourselves and realize ourselves. Now, that's a thumbnail sketch. There's more, but that's enough for now. So the concern is you're unmooring the notion of Marxism by focusing on identity politics. But there are those in America today who say, no, 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 no. They can do just fine together, and I believe they can. They can do just fine together. We can, on the one hand, celebrate, promote, and enshrine identity politics, not a colorblind society, not true equality under the law, but we can enshrine in our, in our ideology, in our culture, and in our law different caste systems based on race, based on religion, based on genitalia, based on what you do with your genitalia, and on and on and on, and at the same time embrace the materialism that Marx talks about. Because Marx said everything begins and ends with materialism, which is preposterous. Those of you who go to church or synagogue, you know that's not true, but okay. And then the identity politics types, they say, no, 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 everything begins and ends with the race you were born into, or if you're a female versus a male, or if you're transgender versus straight, and on and on and on. But what they all have in common is they hate the American system. They hate American history. They hate American principles, including the Declaration of Independence. Because you can't believe in the Declaration of Independence, natural law, existential truths, and so forth, the Enlightenment, Western civilization. You cannot believe in those things and be a Marxist or a progressive or status or whatever you may call it at the same time. Because you have to destroy what came before. You have to destroy history. You have to eliminate it as an acceptable idea. And now our goal, you see, is the perfection of man. The perfection of mankind. And we can't perfect mankind if we're going to stand on the shoulders of our ancestors who were so putrid. They were so rotten to the core. We can't stand on their shoulders. We have to stand on our own two feet. So the world begins today. History begins today because we know more than everybody. We know more than Moses, than Abraham. For Christians, we know more than Jesus. For Muslims, we know more than Muhammad. We know more than the great thinkers, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Cicero, Brutus, Cato, Smith, Burke. We know more than they do all put together because they were imperfect and we are more perfect we're more righteous that's what this is all about I wrote about it in Rediscovering Americanism I wrote about it first in Ameritopia that's what this is all about you hold up a utopia this is what equity and I'm signing one executive order after another insisting on Equity for underserved communities. You should insist on freedom for underserved communities. 
because this equity thing is a farce, and I'm going to prove it to you right this second. Joe Biden opposes school choice for the poorest of our neighborhoods in this country, where minorities are a large majority in the inner city. He opposes school choice. To allow school choice is to allow access to private schools, to charter schools, to parochial schools, using the same tax dollars. In other words, just like in universities and colleges, the money follows the student. Joe Biden opposes this. Why? Because he says it'll take money out of the public schools. Ladies and gentlemen, education exists for the children. Not for the bureaucracy. Not for the teachers' unions. If we've learned anything in the last year through this pandemic... I mean, the teachers' unions in Chicago and other cities are preventing children from actually going to school. The education of our children, our flesh and blood. When it comes to equality, or we'll call it equity, we'll call it whatever they want to call it. Joe Biden doesn't believe in that. And yet, look how important this is. A good education is central to everything. Everything. Equity, he says. I don't even know what he means. He doesn't even know what he means. But it sends up a red flag. Because once again, government is not treating individuals as human beings. It's treating individuals as part of a group. Now, as you listen to me, folks, many of you driving in your cars, many of you at the dinner table, when you think about your life and you think about your family and you're looking at your family member right now, are you thinking, gee, I'm part of a group? Or are you thinking about how to raise your family, how to take care of yourself, what you're going to do tonight, what you're going to do tomorrow, what kind of life you're going to live. Of course, that's what you're going to do. You're not thinking, gee, what are all black people going to do today? What are all white people going to do today? What are all lesbians going to do today? What are all straight? You don't think that way, and yet you are treated that way. And so the consequence is the dehumanizing of the individual whether it's Rousseau or Hegel or Marx or Engels, whether it's Lenin or Mao or Stalin or Xi or Putin for that matter, or the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, they don't think of you as individuals. Just like the American left, they think of you as a grouping as a grouping, and this is the great distinct distinction between me and those who hate me, and between you and those who hate you, regardless of your background, color, religion, or whatever. This is the great distinction. Treat individuals as human beings, not part of a group based on some physical characteristic, some religious affiliation, genitalia, or what you do with your genitalia. Treat individual human beings as individual human beings. And you know what? That's the natural way to live. If you go to a diner, and I like a diner around here in particular, and there's a person waiting on you, do you look at that person as an individual human being? Are you interested in what they they are about and their background? I am. Or do you say, oh, that's a Hispanic guy? No. And I'll say, oh, that's a Hispanic guy. That's Frank. Frank, what's up? Uh, how's your family? Well, whatever. It's a, I'm interested in Frank. 
So the government puts us in these different castes or classes. Some of them are economic. Some of them are based on whether you're male or female. Some of them are based on... Why? Why does the government do that, Mr. Producer? To control us. And so we're constantly at each other's throats. Constantly at each other's throats. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Now, you've heard this phrase, critical race theory. What's critical race theory? It's actually broader than race, but let's just stick, stick, uh, stick to the race part. What is critical race theory? Again, thumbnail. Critical race theory is the idea that everything that happens to you and everything you do and everything you respond to must be seen through the lens of your race. must be seen through the lens of your race. And this, of course, has not only caught on in academia, it's now being used as training and indoctrination tools throughout the federal government, under the Biden administration, and throughout our school systems. White teachers in some of these school districts are now being trained on their white privilege. On the other hand, minorities are being told that in many respects they cannot get ahead because of their race. And so people are being taught to be extraordinarily race conscious, to basically take up uh, views of race that are in many ways self-bigoted, if you will. I'll, I'll coin that word. So again, not to look at as individuals as individuals, or Martin Luther King said, colorblind, but no. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. 
Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading Imprimus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Some people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Now, critical race theory, I'll move off this soon. I just want to lay a foundation for what's going on in this new administration. Promotes stereotypes about individuals based on their physical appearances. It uh, promotes groupthink. And it promotes bigotry in the end. When you hear about systemic this or systemic that, but it doesn't apply to me, that must apply to somebody else, uh, you think you're morally more virtuous and righteous than people who may have the same skin color or sexual orientation or whatever it is. But it promotes stereotypes and bigotry and groupthink. But even worse than all that, it promotes government power to make decisions based on one's race, ethnicity, sex, preference, and all the rest of it. It gives powers to government that government should not have. It may benefit one race one day, and it may benefit another race one day, but e pluribus unum, that is supposed to be our nation. That's what we're supposed to be about as a friend of mine reminded me. Not I'm a African American or a Jewish American or a uh, Christian American or a Muslim American or lesbian American. No, no, no. American. And I use the word, and I have in writings, the de-assimilation of the country. You know, we see it with immigration. We don't assimilate people into the country. That doesn't mean people don't assimilate on their own. But we don't assimilate people into our American culture. And how are we going to assimilate people into our American culture when we're de-assimilating people right here at home in our American culture? Arthur Schlesinger Jr., who was a top writer and confidant of John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson, he wrote a book years ago, a Harvard professor, And he said the one great fear he has is the failure to assimilate into the American culture. No country can survive all this tribalism. It's just not possible. And so let me just circle back and then we'll move on. When you look at the tribalism, that is identity politics or critical race theory, and then combine it with the neo-Marxism or Marxism, 
you can see this is what's going on today. When Joe Biden's signing one executive order after another, that's exactly what he's doing. Now, he's too dim-witted to know what he's doing, but that's what he's doing. Bernie Sanders knows what he's doing. He's all excited about it. I can tell he's excited about it because he opened his eyes. But he's not the only one. And Joe Biden is ruling like some kind of a potentate. I called Obama the imperial president. Now Biden is the imperial president. He's taken over where where Obama left off and has done a lot more. 28 executive orders in six days. Trump had four executive orders in his first six days. Obama had five executive orders in his first six days. Clinton had about five executive orders in his first days. George W. Bush had none. 28, and when you add in today, almost three dozen. And these are substantive decisions. In other words, a clear violation of separation of powers. This goes way back to the American, it goes before the American founding, to Montesquieu, who talked about how you prevent a centralized tyranny. And the the way you prevent a centralized tyranny, Montesquieu wrote, is to separate government into these three arenas. He said the legislative, the judicial, and the, and the magistrate, meaning the executive. And it's this balance of power that our Constitution recognizes. So we don't have one of these centralized tyrannies or one of these parliamentary mob-type situations. It's a uniquely Republican, small-R Republican form of government. It's genius. And the reason the framers came up with this is because they studied all the governments of the past. They studied what happened in Britain and Germany and France. They embraced the great philosophers. The Western Enlightenment. And so they tried to create a constitution despite all the imperfections in that society. Despite all the tugging and the pulling, they created a society that was intended to respect the individual. Now, I know you're going to mention slavery, and you should. So I'll give you Abraham Lincoln's response, because Abraham Lincoln did more for African-Americans in this country than any other human being ever in America, ever. More than any civil rights leader, more than any politician, and he gave his life. And he said, read the Declaration of Independence, which is rarely taught anymore. Read it, he said. This is in the middle of the Civil War where we have over 700,000 casualties. A civil war. Can you name another country on the face of the earth that fought a civil war to end slavery? Name one. Well, Mark, the war was really fought to keep the Union Frederick Douglass thought that originally, too. And then he got to know Lincoln. He said, no, Lincoln wants to extinguish slavery. And if you read Lincoln's speeches, it's quite clear he wants to extinguish slavery. By the way, you have equity in slavery, too. That's what I mean. That word equity can be extraordinarily dangerous. He said, read the Declaration of Independence. Those men in Philadelphia... They came together, they put their lives on the line to break away for independence from Britain. And I might add, Britain continued to import African slaves into the United States 
even though Britain had abolished slavery for itself, it was making an enormous amount of money importing slaves into the United States. The United States had pretty big boundaries, and they, had, and they were not able to control their boundaries back then. It's just too big, and they didn't have a navy big enough to handle it. And they didn't have a border patrol or any of that sort of thing. He said those men in Philadelphia in 1776 tried but could not resolve the issue of slavery. Here's something interesting. I believe it was his first draft. Thomas Jefferson, who owned slaves, who owned slaves, not many, but he owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence how horrid slavery was and talked about the abolishment of slavery. That was taken out of the draft. You see, back then, these colonists, these colonies, were fighting for their survival. And so they never really got around to addressing that issue. They couldn't agree. Georgia and South Carolina, when they went back to the Constitutional Convention, again, some of the northern state delegates raised the issue. But South Carolina and Georgia threatened to leave the Union if it was addressed. That is, if it was abolished. So they couldn't get it done. And Lincoln knew that. Here's Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War. And what is he quoting over and over again? He's quoting the Declaration of Independence. Unalienable rights for every individual. God-given rights. It doesn't say God-given rights to only white people. It says God-given. Unalienable rights. And Lincoln would quote that over and over again. And he said, you know... Those men in Philadelphia who put their lives on the line, when they wrote that document, they knew there and then at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, they could not resolve this issue. As many countries couldn't, but they could not resolve that issue there and then. They were about to go to war. Really, it had already started with the most powerful military on the planet, the British. But he said they wrote it nonetheless. It's called the Declaration of Independence. They made a declaration for the whole world to read. And he said they knew that they couldn't resolve the issue of slavery, but they also knew that their children and grandchildren would have to confront it. Otherwise, they never would have written the Declaration of Independence to include the phrases that it includes. And he's right. And who am I to second-guess Lincoln? Who are any of us to second-guess Lincoln when he was the greatest, certainly one of the two greatest presidents we ever had? And he's the one that eliminated slavery through his statesmanship and his leadership. And by the way, many in the North, considered quite liberal at the time, wanted Lincoln to sue for peace. They were tired of the war. The casualties were unimaginable. Think about it, a nation of about 25 million people. You wound up with 700,000 dead. Almost no family was unaffected. The Declaration of Independence, he said. What's also interesting, if you look at the American population, 
The vast majority of people in this country, their ancestry, certainly white people, does not go back to the Civil War. It goes back post-Civil War. Post-Civil War. There were massive influxes of immigration during different cycles in our history, including before the Civil War. But most of the population in this country today cannot reach back to the Civil War or the pre-Civil War period on their ancestry. I'm not saying blacks, I'm saying most of anybody else. And in fact, many of the black people in the country today don't reach back to that period either. They've come into the country since. This is not to explain anything away. This is to explain when you have a huge country, a diverse country, with every kind of of background, with every kind of race and ethnicity, with every kind of religion, because that's the kind of country we are, that's the kind of country we, we were meant to be. Despite our imperfections, we are a great country. There's not another country on the face of the earth with this kind of diversity that has had this kind of a civil society. Not another one. And we're destroying it. Because critical race theory, identity politics, and Marxism are all about destroying the status quo. So we're supposed to emphasize our differences. We're supposed to to support stereotypes, depending on what the stereotype is and who we're stereotyping. You can see the promotion of bigotry and self-hatred and on and on and on. So rather than treat ourselves as individual human beings, we're supposed to treat ourselves as part of a group. A group that's either victimized or a group that's perpetrators. Wait a minute, I didn't do anything. Oh, of course, you didn't do anything. That's just you. What about everybody else? And this is the problem. Now, the Democrat Party has decided that it is throwing in with these sort of neo-Marxist identity politics, critical race theory ideologies. And they've been very successful in husbanding votes this way. It's very hard to talk to people about personal responsibility and accountability. It's very hard to explain freedom if you don't, unless you don't have it. Then you understand it intuitively. God, I want my freedom. Right. But if freedom's all around you, if it's all around you, you may have a chip on your shoulder, you may be angry about something, you may have had a bad day, you may have been fired, who the hell knows? It's just easier not to look at yourself to be circumspect. It's easier to blame something else. Now, if somebody is a bigot and a racist, that needs to be addressed. And under our laws, federal, state, and local, it should be addressed. But to say the entire society, an entire race, is this or that, is to be a bigot yourself, is to peddle stereotypes is to participate in groupthink, not thinking as an individual human being. That's what's going on in this country today. Whether it's young people in colleges or universities, online, their own social circles, whether it's the Democrat Party trying to manipulate people, trying to get votes. I mean, Joe Biden used to throw in with the segregationists from Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia early in his Senate career. Now he's embracing critical race theory, identity politics, and neo-Marxism. Oh, Joe's a centrist. Joe is signing executive orders like he's Mussolini. One after another, after another, after another. He just destroyed women's sports. 
Abortion on demand, paid for by the taxpayers. These are firsts. We're not going to deport for the first 100 days people who come into the country illegally, even if they're criminals. A federal judge today said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second there, brother. The federal judge told Joe Biden, no, you don't have the legal authority to do that. All these should be challenged. So he's writing executive orders left and right. Guy's been there a week or so. Not even enough time to take in what's actually been taking place. But he's there, baby. He's signing away. No talk about him being a dictator. I'll be right back. in. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Next hour, we're going to discuss this phony impeachment. We're going to have Rand Paul on the program as well. And uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit. Um, what is this? Is this a joke or something? Senator Patrick Leahy rushed to the hospital. Is that right, Mr. Bill? You want to check that? I don't know if that's true or not, but he was supposed to oversee, you see, the uh, impeachment trial because he's such an objective, uh, judicious type individual. By the way, as I was speaking during earlier the hour, Black Lives Matter is the quintessential example of the combination of identity politics, critical race theory on one side and Marxism on the other. Uh, The founders, all three of them have said they are Marxists. And yet you can tell by the title of their group and their mission, which is identity politics and Marxism, that these things can be married together. And so it's like the worst of all worlds. Leahy is in the hospital. So who do they go to next, Mr. Producer? They're running out of presiding officers to oversee this thing. We'll discuss that more in the next hour. By the way, this critical race theory in identity politics cuts the other way, too. The white supremacists, the neo-Nazis, the Klansmen, what do you think they do? They identify themselves by race, they stereotype, and they're bigots. 
And there's groupthink among them. So this whole movement, this whole ideology that's feel, that some people promote as, as sort of a liberation movement, it's extraordinarily dangerous. It undermines the whole notion of Americanism. That's why I wanted to spend the full hour on it. Now we will move in the next hour. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Oh, America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Before we get to this impeachment farce, one of the things Biden signed today and spoke a lot about, again, was this equity issue. And uh, he's ordered all departments, including HUD, Housing and Urban Development, to make sure that equity is at the basis of all they do. I'm not going to repeat the last hour, but... Mark my words on this. This is aimed at the suburbs. I had Stanley Kurtz on this program several times. I had him on Life, Liberty, and Levin. We highlighted his point about what HUD was capable of doing under the Obama administration, what Biden's proposal was, and what it is essentially is to nationalize the suburbs and uh, combine the suburbs for all intents and purposes with the cities. And, uh, of course, this cuts absolutely against all notions of popular sovereignty because they intend to do it bureaucratically by regulation out of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. They're going to use the Fair Housing Act that was passed in the 1930s. This has nothing to do with the Fair Housing Act, but this is how the left twists these things when they have power. They don't allow the niceties of the law or interpretation to get into their way. And so you will, you will soon see uh, the impact on the suburbs where local school boards, local city council or township uh, supervisors or whatever you have in your particular area, those of you who are in the suburbs or the outer suburbs, you will soon see how that uh, impacts you uh, when bureaucrats, left-wing bureaucrats from Washington, D.C. at HUD uh, start issuing dictates to your community about where your libraries can go, where your schools can go, uh, about the kinds of zoning you can have. They they wish to limit, if not eliminate, single-family homes, the density requirements for public transportation, uh, the constant centralization of where people live, creating more and more dense areas, despite the pandemic, which demonstrated really ought to do the opposite. But this notion of free will and private property rights are going to be devoured. So let's say you want to live on a little farm or a little area. It's not going to happen. You're going to have national zoning requirements. And the left does not like private property rights. That's why they always talk about wealth redistribution. And the left does not like single-family homes. The left does not like people living in disparate and distant places. This is why they push climate change. So you have to take public transportation. So you have to build a smaller property. 
So you can't have farm animals and other things because of methane and on and on and on as they regulate every detail of your existence. That's their dream. It's certainly not the American dream. But Biden signed something today. I picked up on it. That's going to impact the suburbs. And not just the suburbs, the more rural areas of this country. Because the strength of the Democrat Party is in the metropolitan areas. This is exactly why the framers of the Constitution created the Electoral College. This is why you have a Senate with two senators from every state, regardless of population. Otherwise, the cities dictate everything. Well, that's okay, Mark. That's where the majority is. Really? But they don't grow the food. They don't produce the energy. That's not where our assembly lines are. So, so much of what is important to this country, apart from, from, from population numbers, doesn't occur in the inner cities. Many things that are important to this country do occur in the inner cities. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's not the only place. There are other places. And it's not defined by population. The problem is, the more we move away from small-R republicanism, the more we move away from representative government and move towards mobocracy or pure democracy, the more people who are going to be cut out of the system are going to be disenfranchised. That's what's going on. That's the centralization of power. Now, before Rand Paul comes on the program in about 20 minutes, he did something really important on the floor of the Senate today. Uh, He moved that the so-called impeachment trial in the Senate was unconstitutional for a variety of reasons, same reasons we've been talking about here. I want him to discuss it himself. Uh, And he got 45 Republican votes. So what that demonstrates is that the trial is dead, that they cannot convict the president. They're not going to get two-thirds of the Senate. They can't even get a a supermajority of the Senate. So they're doing this for two reasons, to distract us from the radical agenda. Let me tell you something. Nothing happens by accident. This is a coordinated effort. Biden signing away the imperial president, Mussolini-like, signing one dictate after another after another. We've never seen this in American history in the first week of a presidency. We've never seen it. And he's, and he's uh, bypassing Congress, bypassing the legislature, Article One of the Constitution. The left isn't concerned about it at all. The left is cheering it. The media love it. If Trump did this, or Bush did this, or Reagan did this, they'd be calling them fascistic dictators. They'd be going to court and all the rest of it. Okay, fine. They are distracting us from what's actually taking place. And they're overloading the system. As I said to uh, Speaker Gingrich on my Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and Levin. So they've taken a lesson from Professors Cloward and Piven, that was a married couple, um, who basically said, flood the system. Flood the system. Just make it too difficult to track what's taking place. And this is supposed to be a representative republic, so you have Biden, who just keeps signing these things, signing these things, signing these things. Your congressman's not involved, your senator's not involved. Nobody's involved. So you're violating the most precious and core aspect, as I said in the first hour, of our constitutional system. goes way back to the writings of Montesquieu in the late 1500s, early 1600s. If you read your Federalist Papers, 
You'll see they cite Montesquieu often. In fact, more than anybody else. They're so proud of this system. But slowly but surely, and not even slowly so much anymore, that system is being destroyed. And I want you to hear Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer is a very evil and dangerous man. We've dealt with him for decades on this radio show. This radio show started in New York on WABC. We've dealt with him for decades. He doesn't like the First Amendment. He's actually proposed an amendment to curb freedom of speech. He doesn't like the Second Amendment. Actually, he, uh, he earned his spurs, as I pointed out the other day, as the number one attack dog against the Second Amendment. These are part of the Bill of Rights. You can't just vote them out of existence, and yet that's what they want to do. And now he is focused like a laser on destroying the Article 3 judges, Article 3 of the Constitution. First, he threatened two Supreme Court justices. Remember that? On the floor of the Supreme Court. But he never incites insurrection or violence. No, 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 no. Then he's threatened to pack the court. And I believe that affected the court in the two Pennsylvania cases a few months ago. And he's still at it. Because what they want is an ideological Politburo. Hat tip, right bar, cut, three, go. Second, traditionally, we have increased the number in the lower and circuit courts. I have in the city of Buffalo a huge, they don't have enough judges. There's this long line before you can get to court because they don't have enough. So we could expand those um, relative. District courts and circuit courts. Correct. Now, as for the Supreme Court, that's the big one. And um, uh, President Biden has put together this commission to come up with a report in 180 days. Um, we're going to see what that commission says and go from there. We'll see where- and who's, on, hold, hold, who's on the commission? Mr. Producer, do we know? No. That's some commission. That must be one of those executive... Folks, we don't need a commission. We had a constitutional convention. We don't need a commission to tell us how many judges should be on the Supreme Court. We've had nine justices on the court for, give or take, 150 years. The reason they want to do away with that is because they want to fix the outcome of cases. Again, this is tyranny. This is autocracy. For all the years the Republicans controlled the Senate and the House, they never even suggested this. When Ronald Reagan won by a landslide and he brought the Senate in, and for six years he had the Senate, and he had enough members of the House, including uh, what they called blue dogs back then, where he could have gotten through any legislation he wanted. He never said, let's get rid of the filibuster, let's pack the Supreme Court, let's add seats to the Senate. He operated within the confines of our tradition, our system, our institutions, and our Constitution. Trump never said, let's pack the Supreme Court. Nobody has, except them. And do you hear the media? They're very upset. Have you heard that, Mr. Producer? Not in the least. Go ahead. ...seats on the Supreme Court. Correct. Do you have an opinion on it heading into that process? I'm going to wait for his report. Do you have the sense that your caucus has an opinion on that heading into... I think people are torn. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see what the report says. On the issue of... He's going to know what the report says. Nothing happens without them knowing. He is the majority leader, 50-50. I don't know how you're majority leader with 50-50, but apparently he is. 50-50. 
Now, what else does Chuck Schumer have in mind? This is an amazing one. Ready? Cut four. Go. Tell me, describe to me new Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's main legislative priorities. Obviously, we have some things that are not legislative, technically, the, the impeachment of the president, the president's, uh, the new president's cabinet. Um, oh, can I say one other thing on climate? Please. I think it might be a good idea for President Biden to call a climate emergency. Hmm. Why? Because then he can, it relates to what you're saying. Then he can do many, many things under the emergency powers. All right, stop, stop. So call a climate emergency to get around the Constitution. Stack the courts to get around an independent judiciary. Okay? This is, this is shocking. Sign endless executive orders like no president in modern history to get around the Constitution and the checks and balances. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is Trump never did this. Bush never did it. Reagan never did it. Bush never did it. Two of them. Why isn't Biden or why isn't Schumer being called a dictator? Because the media agree with him. They want the outcomes. The ends justify the means, as we say. A climate emergency. We have a climate emergency. Does this not concern anybody? That Chuck Schumer is sitting down thinking of ways to eviscerate our constitutional system? Call that an emergency. Uh, we can... We can vote mere majority to stack the court, but we'll wait for the commission, and we can add district courts and circuit courts. And Donald Trump never added district courts or circuit courts, not one, when he was president of the United States. Not one. Go ahead. President, that wouldn't have to go through, that he could do without legislation. Now, See? Trump. Keep going emergency for a stupid wall, which wasn't an emergency. But if there ever was an emergency, climate is one. So okay, I would... blah, 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 blah. On that stupid wall, which I happen to support strongly, and Chuck Schumer supported it 12 years ago, and Biden bro- bragged about voting to fund 700 miles, not 480 miles, just 14 years ago. So the Democrats have completely flipped on this because they've determined that immigration, illegal immigration, eventually citizenship, where three-fourths of new immigrants vote Democrat is something they want to do. So it's all about politics, party, and power. That's it. Not about principle or values. Donald Trump followed the law. Now, how do we know this? Because the United States Supreme Court ruled that he followed the law. Congress sets up these pools of money in these different accounts with different agencies. That allows a president to use those monies for certain purposes. That's what Trump did. He didn't create any nefarious precedent. He didn't do anything untoward. But to point to that and say we should have a climate change emergency that allows the president of the United States plenary power in all kinds of areas. Because, of course, everything's affected by climate. Everything's affected by the air. Everything's affected by the weather. Everything's affected by water. So it is, it is a way that we can just grab as much power as we want, impose and enshrine whatever we want, 
go around the United States Congress. We're not talking about a wall. We're not talking about using separate accounts. We're talking about this massive effort, plenary effort, just by invoking the phrase climate emergency. He's coming up with one plan after another to destroy the checks and balances. And I'm going to keep calling them out on this because nobody else will with specificity. With specificity. I'll be right back. Mark of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage either. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. So what I have discussed with you for almost an hour and a half goes right over the head of... What's that guy's name? Jeremy Peters? And Phil, uh, what's his name? I can't remember all these reports. Bump. Oh, the bumpster. Goes right over their heads. Who? How far he? All goes over there. They sit around and they wait to cherry pick what I say. So everything I just said for an hour and a half is way too deep for them. And moreover, why portray me as somebody who actually thinks about this stuff, writes about this stuff, and provides scholarly information on this stuff? Why do that? Just change Mark's first name to right wing. And this is how they characterize his name. So we're keeping a very close eye on these miscreants and malcontents. These frauds who pretend they're journalists but know better. We all do. You know, our friends at Chaminet want you to know that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Ladies, what better gift than treating yourselves to the most luxurious skin care in the world? Gentlemen. Give your special lady the spa-quality pampering she deserves in the comfort of her home. During Chamonix's Valentine's Day event, your order of Genesel for eye bags and puffiness will include the new Zotique Deep Correcting Serum for free. Yes, free. Zotique combines the purest vitamin C with the brightening benefits of lactate acid for a younger, healthier, happier-looking appearance. Say goodbye to adult acne, redness, stress breakout, Hello to increase firmness, smoothness, and a visibly younger-looking you. With its immediate effects, see results in 12 hours or less. Chamonix promises results that you'll fall in love with or your money back. Guaranteed. Yellow. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com, Genesel.com. From now until Valentine's Day, get the classic Genesel jawline treatment and luxurious Genesel XV anti-wrinkle moisturizer. 
Free with your order. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. 800-SKIN-604. Scheduled to come on the program next, Senator Rand Paul. We'll be right back. is Radio Free America on the Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. Senator Rand Paul, how are you, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. I, uh, I really want to thank you for your battle that you're fighting on behalf of America and the Constitution. You went to the floor of the Senate today, and you had the Senate vote on a particular matter that's very, very important when it comes to impeachment, when it comes to separation of powers, when it comes to private citizens. Tell me what happened today. Well, you know, there are constitutional motions where you can challenge the Constitution, and they are privileged motions. And so contrary to what everybody else wanted, I said, I want to find out at the very beginning, at the outset, I want to know whether or not we can have a vote on the constitutionality. So I was told... Uh, boy, you uh, shouldn't be doing this. This is not your place, but I did it anyway. And uh, the vote was uh, quite interesting. Forty-five Republicans voted that you can't impeach a private citizen. Now, the downside is the the Senate set the precedent today with 50 50 Democrats and five Republicans that you can impeach a a non-president. And I think that's a real problem because I think it'll lead to great mischief we talked with Professor Turley at lunch today, and his fear is that this becomes a tool and becomes weaponized. And this idea that you can do an impeachment with no hearings, no witnesses, sort of a snap impeachment, send it over, and then you can impeach. You know, one of my friends said, well, maybe we should impeach FDR next. And I said, I might mm-hmm. vote for that. But, you know, it becomes ridiculous, this idea of impeaching people who are no longer in office. So we had the vote. And one of the purposes of the vote was to determine what the body would say with constitutionality. But the other purpose was to put people on record as to what they thought of this hearing. And the fact that 45 people think it's an illegitimate hearing means that there's no chance of impeachment. And so everything else now is a charade that impeachment is dead on arrival. And we've set that from the very get-go now. So now we know that everything the Democrats will do from here on out is theater because they cannot possibly win. But, you know, uh, Senator, another thing shocks me. Five Republicans voted against the Constitution, and yet most of them claim to be constitutionalists. It, it is shocking, and I see this more often, but it is shocking for that to happen because now they have essentially destroyed the impeachment clause with what the House did, which was a two-hour debate, one hour each side, no due process, no he- – what kind of countries do that? Fascistic or Marxist countries, Right. It's reminiscent of the third world, and it's very disappointing. The the thing that I think some of them make this decision on is, see, the left wing has made it over and over. They say on television every night that there was an incitement to an insurrection. And so in the floor in my discussion, when I debated this cause today, I, po- I pointed out that there's a lot of Democrat rhetoric and words that have led to violence but not once have Republicans stood up and said, oh, we should impeach someone. I'll give you a good example. I was at the ball field when the Bernie Sanders supporters showed up and shot Steve Scalise, almost killed him, shot four other staffers, shot one of the staffers 10 feet from me. It was a very violent episode. But as the guy was shooting at us, he was saying, this is for health care. And at that time, the Democrats were saying that the Republican health care plan was you get sick and then you die. 
So you can mm-hmm. see how that that kind of language might have incited this person, but I never in my wildest dreams or any kind of sense of fairness would have said, oh, we need to have a hearing to impeach Bernie Sanders and that it's his fault that this crazed gunman came. No, this gunman was deluded, but deluded by rhetoric like the Democrats were saying, but still to say that the Democrats would be responsible for that violence would be irresponsible. But then we look at the president's speech where he says, go take back our country, fight for our country, march peacefully and patriotically. And now every network on television is telling us that there is without question that was an incitement to an insurrection. And if you disagree with them, you need to go to a camp because you don't understand the truth. This is the truth as Mm -hmm. they describe it. It's a very dangerous period in our history, isn't it? I mean, um, when they go on and on about Russia collusion, he's an illegitimate president, Trump, and of course, that incites nothing. They go on MSNBC and they talk about Trump being Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin, and his backers being neo-Nazis and white supremacists. You watch this Joe Scarborough show. He brings these reprobates on CNN, very similar. Of course, they incite nothing. How do we know they didn't anger these people? We do know from the, from the timeline that the New York Times provided a few weeks ago with a leaked document from the FBI that these attacks were pre-planned. That the timeline based on what the New York Times uh, showed, uh, people followed that and said that the attack on the Capitol began 20 minutes even before Trump finished his speech. And that meanwhile, you have Swalwell, who is, who is a national security uh, a concern. He's one of the impeachment managers. I mean, you can't write this stuff. It's so insane, can you? Well, you know, they, they kicked Parler off of everything. They kicked Parler off the App Store. They kicked him off the server. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it looks like most of the people were organizing on Facebook. Maybe Facebook should just voluntarily take themselves off of their server and take themselves off of all the different app stores and maybe voluntarily close since they were part of organizing this. Now, the, it is just kind of ridiculous, but it's amazing how over the top it is. You actually have people going on television. Katie Kirk went on television and said, we need to deprogram these people. And I told somebody, I said, well, you know, at least that you'll see Katie Kirk there with a big smile. Take your Soma. Uh, you may get a little gentle shock, but you'll eventually, and then you'll see this floating picture of Katie Kirk smiling at you. It'll be okay. You're just being deprogrammed. It won't hurt that badly. If you give in, you won't get another shock. Well, they talk about deprogramming. You see what Simon and Schuster did to your colleague. You see what the Democrats in the Senate did to Cruz and Hawley, these phony ethics complaints. You hear Clyburn in the House saying, we need to have a a commission to investigate my Republican colleagues who obviously were in on this. We've got a National Guard, apparently, that's not leaving Washington, D.C. We have the former acting deputy DHS secretary, Cuccinelli, saying, that Pelosi wanted crew manned machine guns there. You know, the big ones that indiscriminately shoot people that she insisted on it and they turned her down. What the hell's going on here? Well, the thing is, is they can't have proof that there was an insurrection unless there's an army there. So the army has to be there, despite the fact that there were no protesters that I could see within miles of the Capitol. But there's also no more speech. And the one thing about our country, whether you're from the right or the left, the idea that you can protest and make your voice known is part of the American tradition. And the idea that we're going to squelch that through the military is an awful, awful 
image to present to folks who come to America thinking we're the land of the free. So, no, I am very worried about it. I'm worried about the, the new laws that will come. And I think the real danger of the new laws is there will be certain truths that are accepted and that are promulgated. Climate change has been one for 20 years now. You're not allowed to go on any of the major programs and question them on that. But I think also election, you can't even say election integrity anymore. Mm-hmm. I tried to convince your, you know, our colleague uh, Stephanopoulos that uh, you know, I don't know for sure <laughs> if fraud could have overturned the election, but wouldn't we at least want to know? Why don't we investigate? He says, oh, it's already been investigated. It's like, well, no, it hasn't. No court really ever heard the evidence. They were all dismissed for standing. And uh, we'll find out. If I look at the fraud in 35 states and we look at it sincerely over the next two years and there's no fraud, I'll go on national television and say there wasn't any. But until then, I want to investigate it, and I want to make sure secretaries of state can't change the law. I want to make sure that you vote in person with an ID. There's all kinds of things that we should do, but now it's become impolite. You're not allowed impolite society if you have any of these beliefs. And ultimately, maybe there will be fines. We're going to be deplatformed, but maybe you go to a deprogramming camp, you know, with mm-hmm. Katie Couric and Soma and the whole works. Who knows? And, you know, uh, what happened in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia has nothing to do with fraud. They violated the federal constitution. That is unequivocal. That is a fact. I bring it up all the time. You're bringing it up. And what are we going to do about it? You know, if these state legislatures don't fix this, we're never going to win the presidency because the Democrats, whether it's the rogue court in Pennsylvania, or the rogue governors and secretaries and states, uh, secretaries of state in these other states, violating the cons- the federal constitution. And by the way, Senator, they wouldn't have violated if they didn't think it would help them. What do they think? We just fell off the tuna boat? It's quite obvious right. what was going on here, isn't it? Well, I'm a believer in we do what we can do and we attack the problem where it exists. The election law is state law, and I plan on going to all the state legislatures that we control and trying to change the law. Even in Kentucky, where we're doing pretty well, I want to make sure that we purge the roles. And I'll give you an example. We had a Democrat Secretary of State for eight years. Even under federal court order, she refused to purge the roles. We got a Republican Secretary of State, and I think he purged them two or three times during the election year to make sure the roles were as clean as possible. We also need to make sure that Secretary of States do not create election law. So every state legislature that we control needs to pass a law saying the law (laughs) – this should be obvious – but the law is only created by the state legislature and that if it doesn't explicitly allow you to solicit votes by sending out applications or ballots, you're not allowed to. And so part of the problem was ambiguity. So like in Michigan and Pennsylvania, I believe the law said nothing about whether or not you could solicit votes by sending out applications. So it went to court, and the judge says, well, it doesn't say you can't, so I guess you go ahead. So there are ways we can make the law explicit, that you can't mail out applications that aren't, uh, that aren't asked for, and that you don't have moveon.org or even right-wing groups sending out applications. Let, let me just say this to you before we, before we have to break. One of the things I think you need to do if you're going to do this, because I was – Watching intimately Pennsylvania, my home state. My wife was involved in litigation there, too. You have a state Supreme Court that's elected five to two left-wing Democrats. And they would change the election laws. So even if the legislature changes the law, they'll change it again. So I think the legislature needs to say in in, in statute, but they can do it in a joint resolution because the governor is not going to sign their statute. He's a left-wing kook. What they can say is we're in charge under Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, 
the executive branch and the judicial branch, if they attempt to change our election laws, we will consider it null and void. And electors can only be selected based on the laws that we as the legislature have passed pursuant to the federal constitution. There needs to be something like that, or we're just going to go in circles with these executives and with these courts, I think. It is, but it also becomes the war cry. Oh, I'm sorry, I used a martial term. I should. I, mean, I only mean that. What the word cry? Figuratively, yeah. the war cry. Yeah, but anyway, the war cry needs to be though that we need a new governor in, in 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 Pennsylvania. We need new Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. We need new election officials. Not in so easy. County. Well, I know it's not easy, and nothing's easy about this. But it is part of the answer. You know, we can try to do what you said about trying to nullify things that they do that are unconstitutional, and I'm not against that. I'm just saying we have to do all the other things, too. This should be our rallying cry that we need to affect local office, that your state representative is important, that your state senator is important. And even if they are a Republican, check to see if they actually are for electoral reform. This is part of the problem we have in Georgia. They're still coming out. I've been talking to them in Georgia, and they're still coming out saying, well, that might be too harsh to have an ID. Well, that might be too harsh to make people show up in person. Well, they've always shown up in person until this election. Mm-hmm. Well over 95% of people showed up in person until this election where a third to a half of the people showed up by mail. And you can't police it by mail. We need to go back to in-person voting. I want to thank you for your leadership on this. It's very, very important. What you did today was very, very important. And you're right. We have our work cut out for us. We need to keep battling this. And quickly, one of the things I'm concerned about is this is also intended to be a distraction. Joe Biden is sitting there signing more executive orders in the early part of his presidency than any president in modern American history. He is defying uh, uh, Congress. He's undermining Article One. These are substantive laws that he's signing. Uh, we have a court today that said, hey, hey hold on there. You know, uh, you don't get 100 days, no deportation. Where did that come from? He has to be challenged every step of the way. He's just signing and signing every left-wing kook agenda item imaginable. I agree with you. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. We do need to stand up and fight. I mean, in a figurative way, of course, we need to oppose what he's doing. This big government grab. We've got to oppose him. But sometimes I worry, like with this impeachment, everybody was willing to go along until I brought forward this motion today. Everybody's sort of mm-hmm. like, oh, well, what can we do? We might as well let Leahy st- sit in the chair and be a Democrat presiding over this. We don't care that the chief justice isn't coming. I was like, what? The chief justice isn't coming? That means this is an illegitimate procedure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so lo- several of us got moving on this, and it came to fruition today's vote. But the great news is impeachment's now dead on arrival. The vote today showed they don't have the votes, can't get the votes, and it is over. So everything else they do for the next two weeks will be theater. And you're right. Even the chief justice of the United States says, I'm not participating in this rogue operation. I mean, I'm sure that's what went through his head. We've never we've never pursued a president after he's left office. Phony impeached him twice. And nobody's nobody's asked this question. Did Chuck Schumer talk to Justice Roberts? I bet my bottom dollar he called him up and said, will you come over if we ask you? Because he didn't want to publicly ask him and be denied. I guarantee you Chuck Schumer talked to Justice Roberts. I would Mm -hmm. be just shocked if he didn't. And so a reporter worth their salt needs to ask Chuck Schumer, did you ask Justice Roberts to come over and did he deny it? Roberts is never going to say anything, but they should pester Schumer and see if he would admit the truth that actually Roberts privately told him, I ain't going over there because the Constitution doesn't allow for the craziness that you're doing. By the way, I don't have time for you to comment, but I'm sitting here thinking, you were at that park 
where Scalise and others were shot. You were attacked brutally by your neighbor. You were attacked after the Republican convention leaving the White House. I mean, I don't know that a senator has had to face so much physical attack in my life. Be safe, sir. And God bless you, and thank, thank you. you for what you did today. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Levin. of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage either. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. And how about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Well, we have real diversity, don't we, in our uh, Democrat Party leadership running this country, the Three Stooges. Pelosi, the Speaker, Schumer, the Democrat leader, and then Biden, Casper, the unfriendly ghost in the Oval Office. I might mention they're all white, they're all old, and there's no geographic diversity. Nobody from the Midwest, nobody from the Southwest. Pelosi represents San Francisco. Biden represents Wilmington. Schumer represents New York City. Got a lot of friends in all those cities. That's not my point. These are all cities. And so when it comes to oil workers, assembly line workers, steel workers, truckers, farmers, ranchers, when it comes to all those things, They don't have a clue, and they don't care. That's not their power base. That's not their power base. The Democrat Party is a party of cities. That's it. What do you want from me, Mr. Producer? Do I owe you something? I know you love freedom because you listen to my show. Now, my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and a government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College. I talk about them all the time because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches students to defend freedom no matter their major. They do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought called Imprimus. We get that in the Levin household. 5.6 million Americans receive it as well, free, every month. And you should, too. You should be reading it. You can subscribe for free. Just go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached, generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send a Primus to you at no cost every single month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. By the way, for those of you who might be interested... 
Joe Biden is appointing every hate Israel Democrat from the Obama administration and beyond he possibly can in the Department of State, in the Department of Defense, on the National Security Council, and elsewhere. Israel's going to have a hell of a tough time. A very, very tough time. The Iranians, well, they're wetting their burkas. They're all excited about it. The Palestinians couldn't be more thrilled. But Israel, you better get ready. Because you're going to be attacked. I don't mean militarily, obviously, by the United States. But you are going to be undermined every step of the way. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Kirsten Cinema, I believe it's how you pronounce it, a senator from Arizona. You don't hear much from her in the rest of the country. I viewed her as a rather peculiar person over the course of a period of time, but I want to thank her tonight. She's a Democrat. She's more centrist than leftist. Kirsten Cinema, S I N E M A, Senator Cinema, I want to thank her tonight. Because she announced that she will not support eliminating the filibuster and, quote, she's, quote, not open to changing her mind, unquote. Now, you can imagine the pressure she's under in the Stalinist caucus of the Democrat Party. You can imagine. But she said, no, I'm not changing my mind. So in many ways, she has come to the, to the rescue of the Senate. Because she's had the guts to speak out. Now, I don't know where she stands on all the issues, Arizona. I got it. But I'd like to bring her on the program if she's amenable to it. She'll probably be under pressure not to come on and discuss her decision. And on behalf of millions and millions of you, thank her for this decision. Not the others. I don't know what else she's doing. I'm not really interested. But on this, she helped save the United States Senate. So, Mr. Producer, let us see if she would like to come on the program. If not, that's okay. She said she will not support eliminating the filibuster. Her mind cannot be changed, according to a spokesperson, as Democrats now control the House, Senate, and White House. There, of course, has been discussion about possibly voting to eliminate the filibuster. That would allow any legislation to pass with a simple majority. Now, with her coming out against abolishing the filibuster, it makes it highly unlikely it could happen. 
Kirsten is against eliminating the filibuster. She's not open to changing her mind about eliminating it. A spokesperson said for cinema, and she told the Washington Post on Monday. So that's very important. Again, I don't know how she'll vote on other things. No doubt she'll disappoint because she is, in fact, a Democrat. But that said, on this one, we owe her a debt of gratitude, don't you think? Did you know Anthony Fauci is the highest paid bureaucrat in America? If we look at the military, which, of course, is not very high paid, and any civilian bureaucrat, there's over 2 million of them. Fauci, by far is number one. You know what he made in 2019? Federal salary, your tax dollars. $417,608 in 2019. And that doesn't include pensions and medical and all the rest. $417,608. Because he's doing such a fantastic job. I wouldn't wear a mask, no. I mean, I would wear a mask, but... Maybe you should wear two masks, he's saying today. In fact, Fauci even made more than the 400000 salary of the President of the United States. All salary data was collected by OpenTheBooks.com via a Freedom of Information Act request. $2.5 million, that's how much Dr. Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Health, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and current Chief Medical Advisor to the President, will make in salary from 2019 through 2024. If he stays in his post through the end of the current administration, $2.5 million. In a 10-year period between 2010 and 2019, Fauci made $3.6 million in salary. Since 2014, Fauci's pay increased from $335,000 to the current $417,608. No wonder he said, you know, I know it's inconvenient. You know, we got to shut down the economy. We're going to shut down the economy. I know it's inconvenient. But you got to do it for your country. Now, while many of you who own bars and restaurants and salons and, and God know what, what else has had to be shut down or has taken a big economic hit, Fauci didn't give one penny back. Not one penny. In an August 13, 2020 Instagram interview with actor Matthew McConaughey, I like that guy. Dr. Fauci was asked if he had millions of dollars invested in the vaccines. Dr. Fauci laughed and answered, Matthew, no, I got zero. I'm a government worker. I got a government salary. He didn't mention that his salary was $417,608, the largest in the entire federal government. Dr. Fauci became the early face of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. And this is... uh, where is this from? I can't, I can't tell. It's not printed out on my document. Nonetheless, you know who you are. I give you credit if I knew who you were. Appearing daily, often in a live broadcast, to update the nation on the emerging COVID-19 disease. In March 2020, convinced President Trump on the 15-day lockdown policy to try and flatten the curve and reportedly advocated on March 29, 2020 for extending the policy beyond its final 15 days. It's amazing. You know, he still wants it. Yeah, we got to shut down here. I mean, you know, I'm only earning a government salary. Vice President Mike Pence, who chaired the task force, his salary was only 235000 In comparison to Fauci, Pelosi earns 223000 
Supreme Court Chief Justice Roberts earns 270000 Members of the House and Senate earn 174000 Four-star military generals earn 268000 The 80-year-old Dr. Fauci holds a medical degree from Cornell and began his 53-year career at NIH in 1968. But this guy, for 50 of those 53 years, worked in the federal government. He assumed his NIAID director position in 1984 and has advised every president since Ronald Reagan, though he serves directly under the NIH director, Francis Collins. Did you know he serves directly under the NIH director? I would never have known that because he's, uh, he's the face that's out there all the time. Known as the nation's top infectious disease expert, he qualifies for a full federal pension and Social Security under pre-1984 federal pension reform rules. The executive branch includes 2.1 million federal agents he employs, 1.4 million members of the military, half a million postal employees. Federal employee salaries are generally capped at level four of the executive schedule, which is 172500 But there are exceptions, and Dr. Fauci is an exception. In our data at openbooks.com, there are three doctors, all working at HHS, who out-earned the President of the United States in incomes ranging from 406000 to 417000 On October 19, 2020, President Trump called Fauci, and he was right, a disaster. 2008, George W. Bush honored Dr. Fauci with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He's the 32nd most highly cited living researcher, according to an... Well, of course, because he's in the media all the time. I don't know what research he's actually done. Which brings me to another point. I've been thinking about this, too. Unfortunately, I think a lot. But I've been thinking about this, too. Why can't we know the names and faces of the men and women who actually developed these vaccines? Fauci didn't develop a damn thing. Maybe he developed a hemorrhoid or an inner thigh rash, but he never developed the vaccine. In fact, none of the people we've seen on TV developed the vaccine. These are scientists who are working in labs whose names and faces we do not know. Should we not know who they are? Why is Dr. Fauci getting all the credit? He's the infectious disease guy. He's not the vaccine guy. And who gives a crap about his politics? He can shove his politics. But who are the people who actually developed these vaccines? And I see more spinning by the Biden administration. You see, they said, we're going to come in and we're going to have more vaccines and we're going to get them all out there and we're going to take care of everybody. It's just a matter of... Oh, it's a little bit more complicated, isn't it? A little more complex, this process. Dealing with 50 states, dealing with localities, dealing with hospitals, dealing with the federal bureaucracy... Joe Biden made a big announcement today that they're buying 200 million more units of the vaccine. By the summer. I'll have it. By the summer. Now, that's not a great achievement that they're going to buy more vaccines by the summer. The reason they can't have them until the summer is it takes a little bit of time to produce 200 million units. I don't care how many companies you nationalize. But the fact is we have a vaccine 
not because of the Democrats, not because of any Biden plan, not because of any of it, because of warp speed under President Trump. Or there would be nothing to give to anybody. And just to show you how sleazy, what's her name? Pasaki, Saki, what is, what is the, uh, the spokes idiot for the idiot? Jen Saki, the, where the P is silent, of course. The spokes idiot for the idiot. May I say that? I think I will. She's fighting with the great governor of Florida, DeSantis. DeSantis says, you know, we could use more vaccines here. Well, you haven't used half of what you have. Now, DeSantis is a data guy. He's a Harvard guy. He's really following this. And he says, excuse me. Both of these vaccines require two shots. So the people who've gotten one shot, we're monitoring them. And then when the time gets like three-week, four-week interval, I'm not sure what it is then they're going to get the second shot, or the first shot is wasted. This is the CDC guidelines I'm following, the governor says. The CDC guidelines says you need two shots, and there's a period of time between the first and the second shot. So we're maintaining a database to monitor who gets the first shot so we can make sure they get the second shot so they reach immunity. And what Pasaki, the spokes idiot for the, sp- for the idiot, is saying He's got half his uh, vaccines there he hasn't used. And, of course, the media run with that. Florida governor hasn't used half his vaccines. It's a lie. That is, he has every intention of using the other half. And guess who he's prioritized? I'm sorry, not teachers, not politicians. Senior citizens. Not criminals, not illegal aliens. No. Senior citizens, not until every senior citizen in the state of Florida has been inoculated twice, has gotten the vaccine twice, will he go to the next tier of individuals. Because he wants to save lives. He's looking at the data. The people who are most vulnerable are the older people. And the older you are, the more vulnerable you are. And the people with other underlying maladies. So that's what he's focused on. So it's an amazing thing. The Democrats said two and a half months ago, three months ago, that Trump was all washed up, that he was using this vaccine thing for politics to get votes, that there wouldn't be a vaccine in time, and there they are. And unfortunately, these two corporations, the corporatists, didn't announce it till after the election. But we have two vaccines. Now they're well, we don't have enough because it's such a mess. Trump didn't do this. Trump didn't do that. Trump is the guy that got the vaccine done. He's the one, not Fauci, not Burks, not the media, not Biden, not, not Pelosi, Trump. Well, what we got here was quite a mess, you know, well, we're really a mess here. No, it wasn't. It's a complicated matter. It's not so easy. And stop whining, you jerks. Just do your damn job for once. Hey, I'm signing, I'm signing. I'm signing an executive order. We're going to destroy women's sports. Uh, Yes, yes. Isn't that progressive? Oh, yes, we are. Oh, look at this. Open borders for illegal aliens. No deportations for 100 days, even if they're criminals. Look how progressive I am. Okay, not equality, equity. We're going to do equity everywhere. Oh, look look at me. I'm a progressive. Let me sign that one. Let me shut down the oil industry. Let me shut down XM, uh, XL uh, 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 pipeline. Uh, tens of thousands of people will lose their jobs and go on food. Say, okay, that's good. I'm a job creator. I'm a union guy. Let me sign that one. This is, this is what we're living with. I'll be right back. Mark 
Blobin! AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Over at Hot Air, great website, Jazz Shaw, Democrats moved to ban Trump supporters from federal jobs or joining the military. Oh, they got all kinds of ideas on the left. They've got all kinds of fascistic, autocratic regimes where they can study them and figure out how to do these sorts of things. Cancel culture has arrived in Congress in a big way. Well, to be fair, it's been there for a while now. But Florida Democratic Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy is really upping her game in this regard. New proposed legislation from Murphy would prevent anyone who participated in the January protests and riot on Capitol Hill, well, riot we get, from being eligible for security clearance. Further, she would impose a similar ban on anyone who participated in any, quote, stop the steal, unquote, rally or anyone who knowingly engaged with QAnon. Given that a security clearance check is required for virtually every person applying for a federal job in many state or municipal jobs, or enlistment in the military, Murphy would be banning an entire class of people from public service, even if they never engaged in any violent activities. Remember, anybody who went to a Stop the Steal rally at all would be included. Nice broad brush. You're not allowed to ask anymore if somebody's been or ever has been a member of the Communist Party. That's okay. That's okay. You can do that. That's Murphy. The proposal was initially reported in the Daily Beast. The level of attempted government repression is breathtaking in its scope. As a rule, anyone who is convicted, and that's a key word, of having breached the Capitol building on January 6th, and committing acts of vandalism or attacks on law enforcement officers would obviously disqualify themselves from obtaining a security clearance and hence a federal job in most cases. The same is true for all serious offenses. They can generally receive a waiver for misdemeanors and minor violations. No new legislation would be needed to make that happen. But this bill is something entirely different. It would effectively criminalize every person who showed up for the rally and remained out in the streets protesting, The same would go for the hundreds of other rallies held across the nation in preceding months. And it goes on. What Murphy's proposing here is nothing less than a huge raft of thought crimes that Americans could be punished for without ever having broken any law. 
This would be no different than a law seeking to restrict the employment opportunities of anyone whoever participated in a Black Lives Matter protest that devolved into rioting and looting, even if the person in question didn't participate in the criminal activity that followed. You have to wonder now if these college and universities, their admissions programs, are going to try and ferret out Trump supporters, people who worked in the Trump administration at lower and mid-levels, people who attended any of these rallies. I mean, look at all the rallies that the president had that were completely peaceful. I don't know where this is going to end, but I'm worried it's not going to be very pretty because it's the Democrat Party that's the tyrannical party. And they are using the institutions of government as well as their friends in big tech, among others, and big publisher, to try and destroy tens of millions of people. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Liberals and the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Liberty, merit, competition. Three words you don't hear from the left, but the heart and soul of America. Well, I'll announce it. Again, this Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin was the highest rated show on Fox, MSNBC, CNN, the highest rated 12 plus overall audience. I want to thank you. I can't communicate with you on Facebook or Twitter or Parler. So you just have to schedule and remember 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Life, Liberty, and Levin. And I think you'll agree it's worth the watch. And we were number one, Mr. Producer, overall audience, even though we were up against the Kansas City Buffalo game. You know, my show is right in the teeth of football. Can't say that about most of the rest. So we crushed CNN, and we crushed MSLSD. And uh, they know it, and I know it. Now you know it. I say let's take some calls. What do you think? Madeline, in Surprise, Arizona, XM Satellite. Madeline, how are you? I'm fine, Mark. How are you? Very well, thank you. 
great. Thank you for taking my call. And great, mm. it was a great show on Sunday, by the way. New Greenwood was great. I loved him. So we just want to let you know that. And I, I was yes. calling in basically because uh, every time I listen to the news, maybe even just five minutes of it, I Every emotion comes over me. Depression, despair, disgust, uh, Contempt, nausea. uh, Anger, everything. I can't imagine how many else there are, but there is. And uh, so what I've been doing is I've been getting on the phone and calling uh, our Congress Mm -hmm. people, uh, all of them, and uh, senators, the media. Uh, I like doing that, and I, I call them and, and just say it as it is. I am nice on the phone. A little sarcasm mm-hmm. never hurt anybody. Um, but it just it makes me feel better and like I'm doing something. And I know a Good. lot of uh, your uh, listeners call in. They call in and they want to know what they can do, and that is something they can do. They can get involved, and it will show, I, I'm sure, it will show we do care and we're calling in. It, it doesn't have to be just my senator or my uh, congressman. All right, I got it. I call I got all it. of them. Yeah. All right, Madeline, good job. We appreciate it. You take care of yourself. Let's keep rolling. Let's see. Josie, Pensacola, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Josie? Mark, ¿qué pasa? How are you, sweetie? Thank you so uh, much. I'm doing okay. How are you? Muy bien. Uh, Mark, um, no complaint. I feel like I'm back in communist. I went through communists in 1973 with Salvador Allende in Chile. I'm from Nicaragua, and mm-hmm. this radical left uh, Democrats, they hate their own country. They want to destroy their own country just for power and control. And it's disgusting, disgraceful mm-hmm. what they're doing to this America. Let me tell you, Mark, uh, like that lady <coughs> just said, I have widows calling me, and they want to pray. Like I had a call the other night at 3 in the morning. Uh, this lady, her stomach is sick and just worried because the American people are good people. And these people are evil, evil. They hate their own country. They hate it. And they there like- seems to be a lot of that, doesn't there? Yeah. And you know I- what? Let me let me tell you this. I would love to have more immigrants from Nicaragua. I'd love to have more immigrants from Cuba. I'd love to have more in- immigrants from Venezuela. Uh, Because people coming out of those countries get it. They know what liberty means. They're not interested in all the rest of this crap. They know what liberty means. They know what America is. You know what it is. It's something you really can't teach. You have to live it. And once you've had the iron fist of tyranny punch you in the nose, you know what it means to be an American. And that's why, quite frankly, I love people like Josie who come into this country or their parents came into this country because they love America and they love liberty. Go right ahead. And uh, I thank God that I've been with a freedom of speech for 49 years, Mark, in this country. Mm-hmm. And I really love this country. I came the legal way. And let me tell you, Mark, all those criminals coming that the Democrats are bringing, I mean, a lot of them are MS-13 people. I have mm-hmm. some family members that they're MS-13. I know what they do to American people. Mm-hmm. And it is horrible, horrible. Here in Pensacola, we got almost 4,000 MS-13 now here in this little city. And it is well, that's all right. You know, uh, Schumer and Pelosi and Biden have never met any MS-30 gang member, and they never intend to. They're protected. Uh, and um, Uh, Most of these people in Washington, D.C., never come in communication with anybody who's been assaulted by these people. We've had calls on this program of people who have been severely 
affected by these uh, these violent gang members coming across the border. Josie, thank you very, very much for your call, and God bless you, my friend. Let us continue. Susan, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Mark, listen, today our um, current uh, supposed president had a uh, some kind of a... Oh, you're going to get attacked by the New York Times and the Washington Compost because you said supposed president. What you need to say is a president who I think may have been elected from Russian collusion. Say that. That that no. they'll, they'll go along with that if it's you know if it's a Trump, but gotta watch yourself. Uh, go yes, ahead, Brooklyn. I will, and then yes, but he had a talk. I think it amounted to but uh, under eleven minutes or twelve minutes, if I'm not mistaken, about racial equality. And he no, never... no racial equity, not equality. Equity. Okay, well, let's talk about equity. You see, you see, it's no longer global warming; it's climate change. It's no longer equality; it's equity. Uh, this is how they talk. This is how they change. This is what they've been brainwashed to do. This is how they create the narrative. Go right ahead. All right. But the solution and the problem is that the biggest civil rights movement has been and continues to be the uh, the um, inequality in education. Now, I talked for- about that. School choice. He opposed. Now, here's the biggest problem. The federal government now is going to create more problems because it's going to make decisions based on race, religion, uh, sexual preference, and the federal government's going to further uh, tribalize this nation and rather than, uh, rather than people being treated as individuals in a diverse nation. And so there's going to be favored group, there's going to be disfavored group, there's going to be education, not camps, but in brainwashing, and we already see this, uh, by some groups, against other groups, and so forth. This is how you destroy a country. This is how you destroy a country. And, of course, they're inciting trouble. That's exactly what they're doing. People don't want to be treated this way, and they certainly don't want their children or grandchildren treated this way. And people are now wondering, are my children or grandchildren in a favored group or a not favored group, or how are they going to be treated? If they're successful, is it going to be dismissed because of their race, because they inherited some wealth that I was able to, to husband my resources during the course of my life, working 20 hours a day? What's happening now is so, uh, is so diabolical. And always in our history, when something horrifically diabolical has been pushed, it's been by the Democrat Party by the Democrat Party, and they're at it again. And you have the dummy in the Oval Office who's signing anything that's shoved under his schnoz. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let's see. Uh, Let us go to... Some of these are a little provocative, Mr. Call Screener, like number one. I'm not going there. Uh, Let us go to... Let's go to Michael in Targus, California. How are you? Hi, doing fine, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. I just want to point out to America just how little class uh, Biden and the other Democrats have and how ungrateful and thankful they are because Trump developed a vaccine. And until then, Biden was hiding in his basement, afraid to come out to do anything. Now him and Pelosi and these others who downplayed and bad-talked the, the virus to the point where a lot of Americans don't even want to take it, they were first in line to get the vaccine. 
Yes, I, I honestly think all the Democrats should have to wait in line because they voted for candidates who said uh, they didn't trust the vaccine. Okay, well, then Republicans should be first in line, don't you think? But you make a great point. Joe Biden is 78 years old, and he got the vaccine. He didn't wait. He got it right away. And he can thank Donald Trump. Did he thank Donald Trump, sir? No, he actually uh, has uh, been very acting very disgraceful to him. He could have been gracious and humble, and America, and that would have done a lot to help unite. But you the know, country. we've known Biden for half a century. Gracious and humble are not Joe Biden. <laughs> Stupid and 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 punkish. That's that's Joe Biden. But you make a great point. It's thanks to Trump that he, uh, Trump that he got his vaccine, and he's out of the basement now, out in the open where people can actually see him. It's a great point. All right, Michael, thank you for your call, my friend. Let's, uh, no, we'll, we'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let's continue. Ivan, Miramar, Florida on the Mark Levin app. Go. Mark Levin, how you doing, man? Hey, listen, Mark, a radio. Hey, wait a minute. I remember when you lived in, hold on now. Hope. I remember when you lived in Maryland. I lived in Laurel, Maryland. And you, and you apparently, so you got the hell out of there. I got, I got out of there. Hey, Mark, listen. Smart. There's. there's Radio jocks are a dime a dozen, but there's only one Mark Levin. Listen, I, I would hope that Democrat, I mean, the Republicans, well, each each of them would make a short statement similar to like this trial is unconstitutional and baseless, and is nothing more than an extension of the phony Russian hoax and the baseless first impeachment trial used to impugn the president, then use the rest of their four and a half minutes to attack the Democrats. If they want to, mm-hmm. if this is going to be a show trial, let it be a show. They could use mm-hmm. the rest of their time to talk about the Democrats, how they... Uh, how about talking about took- Kamala Harris on, uh, with Steve Colbert, uh, when Kamala Harris was uh, cheering on rioters in August? What about that? Is that an impeachable offense? By and fiddled while, while their cities burned. They gave mm-hmm. cover to the anarchists. You could use their words. They colluded with Russia to do a real coup. They called the cops stormtroopers. Their cities. Mark, you're, you're right. We should, they should attack the Democrats. And, and then at the end, they, they vote, vote not to impeach the president, but use their time to attack the feckless policies of the Democrats. I agree 100%. 
I really do. And they should go on about how the Democrats are eviscerating the Constitution, the voting system, our borders, uh, how they are failing to focus on the threat of communist China and its its, uh, virtual attacks on Taiwan, what it's done to Hong Kong. I'm telling you, we are watching this rising uh, regime. It reminds me in many ways of uh, these genocidal regimes in the past. While we in this country are destroying ourselves, I should say, while the Democrats are destroying us in this country in the media. And by the way, tomorrow, I shouldn't say this because the backbenchers are taking notes, but nonetheless, there's a fantastic piece uh, by Armin Rosen in the tablet, the tablet magazine. Journalists mobilize against free speech, and he goes through that a new generation of media crusaders clamors for government control over what you see, hear, and read and for banning their competition. Basically, what we see in the modern media today are fascists, are neo-Marxists, who do not believe in free speech for all, just for themselves. And they use their speech to try and shut down speech for other people. It's a brilliant piece, unless everybody hits it before I get on the air. But you know, you know, Ivan, I'm the cleanup hitter. So hopefully I'll be able to get to it. Ivan left us, or we hung up on him? Ivan dropped from Miramar, Florida. Now, you folks who are thinking of moving into Florida from Maryland, Connecticut, New York, Illinois, uh, let's see, California, where else? Uh, All over the place, New Jersey. All you liberal Democrats thinking of moving into Florida, don't. Enjoy your own nirvana, the crap holes that you created for yourselves. Stay the hell out of here. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We mean it. God bless each and every one of you. I will see you tomorrow, right here, same time, same place. Be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 